So we are starting a new series today called I Am. And for the next several weeks, we're going to look at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. Uh, During Jesus' ministry on earth, he um, said many things. He said a lot of things to challenge his listeners. Um, In fact, he often spoke in parables. He spoke in metaphors. He spoke in word pictures, uh, which was extremely frustrating to many of his followers, trying to figure out what he meant. But his idea is that he would give all of these ways so we could understand his kingdom, so we could understand his character, so we could understand his purpose. So in the book of John, there are seven statements in which Jesus says, I am blank. Okay, I am blank. And each statement gives us a glimpse into God's character and what he's like. But what's really interesting about these statements is if you read them uh, separately, if you read them, you kind of pull them out of the scripture, they're a little bit difficult to understand. And so you really need to understand the context of what each statement is about. And so this series is going to be all about those seven statements. We're going to do it in five weeks, so we're just going to cover five of the seven. The other two, you can look up on your own and study them if you need a a prompt this month for spending time with the Lord. Um, This I Am series also is a family series. It's what we call a family series. And so three times a year, the whole church um, aligns up. And so the, the kids this morning will be studying an I am statement. The youth will be um, hearing on Wednesday nights about the I am statements of Jesus. And so this will really be a talking point for you uh, with your children or your grandchildren or the other people um, in your life so that you can really have conversations about the I am statements of Jesus. Now, I have a challenge for you up for a summer challenge. It's not eating as much ice cream as you can, uh, but you can, part, you can reward yourself with it. Um, what I would like us to do as a church family um, this summer is to memorize the seven I am statements of Jesus. Even if you're reluctant, just shake your head if you're willing to think about it. Are you willing to think about it with me? Okay, you can do this while you're driving. You can do, put them on your mirror. You can do it in all kinds of ways. We, we made a little um, handout for you. Hopefully you got it here. Looks a little something like this. If you have it, get this out next to you. Share it with with a friend. These are the seven I am statements of Jesus. And so our hope is that you would take some time to memorize these, to get these in your heart. You know, the reason why we should memorize scripture is because it pops up just when you need it the most. How many of you had an experience where even in prayer you're saying to the Lord, I don't understand, God, what am I supposed to do about this? And then a scripture just comes right to the surface, has that ever happened to you? And that's because you hid it in your heart. And that's what the scripture actually tells us to do with the scripture, is to hide it in our heart because it pops up, it comes out in our speech, it comes out in our spiritual growth, it's really vital. And so I want you to take a step along your journey of your spiritual growth this summer, and I want you to memorize these I am statements of Jesus. Now, my goal is that we could do this by the end of the month, so you have about five weeks to memorize about seven verses. So you can do 1.12 each week, okay? (laughs) You can figure that out. And so I really want to encourage you to do this. Grab a friend, your small group, someone in the pew next to you this morning. You can just say, hey, we didn't, I just met you, but are you going to be here next week? Okay, good. Ask me if I know the first one. You know, you can just do things like that. Get some accountability and memorize it. I'm going to memorize these faster than Joel. That's my challenge. All right, so do this together as a family. It's really, really valuable. Uh, The second thing I want to tell you that we did with this I Am series is um, we asked some really talented people in our congregation to express 
artistically what they saw in these I am statements. And we're going to have them displayed up here each week. You can kind of see um, them behind me. Um, there's photographs, there's paintings. Uh, this one here is what we're going to talk about today. So each, each week that we're focusing on that one, it's going to kind of come to the center. But aren't they beautiful? Can we just thank the people that invested time in these? Beautiful. Beautiful. So the idea, the plan is this. We want you to absorb this scripture in every way possible. And so at the end of service today, you can come up and get a closer look if you want. Uh, but these are just beautiful representations of these seven scriptures that we're going to memorize today. Um, these artists have really captured who Jesus says he is. And the entire point of this series is we want you to connect with the great I am. We want you to connect with the great I am. Exodus 3, 13 through 15 says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. We want you to connect with the great I am because the great I am has gone to great lengths to connect with you. That the great I am became flesh and blood and came to the earth so he could have commonality with you. And Jesus would show you how much he loves you. And that's why this series is all about understanding more of who Jesus says he is. So you ready for it? Are you excited? Let's start with the first I am statement. You can see that on your uh, I am statements of Jesus here. And it is all about bread. It's all about bread. So I hope you aren't hungry this morning or on the keto diet, because all we're going to be talking about today is bread, okay? So zone it out, just focus, no bagels, no bagels, no bagels. Um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 6 is where all of this is happening. And I want to give you a little context. Um, miracles are happening all around. Wherever Jesus goes, miracles are happening. In fact, John 6 starts out by accounting for a moment when Jesus has this crowd of people following him. The scripture says about 5,000 people, and they get hungry. And Jesus, I love how he takes on the lunch role. He says, well, I guess they're following me. It must be my responsibility to feed, him, feed them. And so um, he gets five loaves and two fish, if you remember that story, and he miraculously multiplies and feeds the entire group. And not only is there enough for everyone that's there, but there are leftovers. That's how the great I am does things, am I right? That he not only gives you what you need, but even more, even more than what you need. And so the evening comes in John chapter six, and these disciples who just administrated this miracle, they get in a boat, but the strong wind kicks up, and Jesus comes to them miraculously walking on the water, and Jesus gets in their boat, and they get to the shore safely. So the crowd realizes in the morning, wait, Jesus isn't here anymore. We didn't get everything we needed from him. Let's go find him. And so they get in their boats and they follow him over to the other side. And when they get to Jesus, they say to him, Jesus, hey, uh, we need you again. Like, here we are. We're following you around. And it, the scripture records uh, in John 6, 26, that Jesus says to them, 
Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus had fed these physically hungry people. And he says, but listen, that is not the reason. You are not coming back to me because I filled this very practical need. You are coming back to me because you are satis- I am satisfying a spiritual hunger. And, it, and basically, every human being created by God has an inborn hunger. This hunger can often be mistaken for other things. It can often be chased after and satisfied by other things. But we are each born with a hunger for food that doesn't spoil and food that endures eternal life. And so what Jesus is saying is you are chasing me down because you want more than bread and more than all the miracles that you want. I'll do the miracles. I'm capable of doing the miracles. But that's not what you want. What you want is bread that will never, ever expire, bread that doesn't spoil. And so Jesus says, listen, don't work all your life so you can feed your physical hunger. He says, work to feed your spiritual hunger, because ultimately, whether you recognize it or not, that's what you're hungry for. And I think even in our day and age right now, it's so easy to get out of balance with this focus. It's so easy for us to have this kind of natural mindset and natural drive. In fact, just think about the breakdown of your week right now, or maybe what you have planned for the week to come. How much of it do you spend working for bread that will only satisfy your tangible need? How much of your week this week is planned that you will have to work, you will have to put hours in so that you can meet all of your practical needs? We get caught up in this cycle so often. We work so we can pay for the car we have so we can drive it to work. (laughs) And then we work some more so that we can work some more so that we can go on vacation from work so we can go work some more. I mean, we just have this this cycle that that just goes and goes and goes. And, and, And Jesus says, in contrast, how much time do you spend working to feed your spirit? What effort do you put into feeding your soul? What is the The contrast, Um, this week, uh, an elder of our church, Jeff Williams, described it to me like this, and it was so impactful to me that when you have been sick, maybe you're sick with the flu, you have no appetite. You don't even want bread, which is rare for me, okay? I'll always take it. And and, and your your appetite is zapped, your energy is zapped, and, and as your appetite returns and you start getting hungry again, you realize that you're getting better. That's actually a sign that you're getting better. And he said, um, as he's driving home from work in the evening and feeling really hungry for one of Tracy's good home-cooked meals, he knows that his health has returned, that, that that is an indicator for him. And that's how God created us. If we're hungry for food, we, we, it's a sign of a good, healthy body. And so that it is with our spiritual life. If we don't have a consistent daily appetite or hunger for the great I am, that something is out of balance. And that's what the scripture is saying. Jesus says, I want you to work and be hungry for the things of the kingdom of God because that is the only satisfaction you will find and that is the sign of great health spiritually. In fact, if you're hungry, you're healthy. 
If you're hungry, you're healthy. If you have not experienced the hunger for understanding who Jesus is, for the Holy Spirit, for the presence of God, that is a, perhaps a sign to you that something is out of balance, that you are not healthy spiritually. And you know how to kickstart your way back into spiritual health? Start memorizing the word of God. Start feasting on the word of God. And then you will become hungry again. And that will be a sign of your health. And so Jesus continues this conversation with the people. And they say to him, "Um, send us a sign so we can believe in you. Send us a sign. Just like you did with our relatives and our ancestors. And just like you did that, you sent manna from heaven. You, you, You had bread raining down for the people to eat. And, and the people are saying, what will you send to us? What is our sign? I think some of them are secretly hoping it's tacos this time, right? <laughs> Do you know that song? It's raining tacos. Just us. Okay. We are the only ones who know that song. Okay. So some of them are saying, God, what is that sign? And so verse 32, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's as if Jesus is thinking, they're still not getting it. (laughs) How much more clear can I say this? It's not about the sign. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the physical need that was met. It's about something bigger than that. It's about something greater than that. It's the true bread, the real version. Not, not even the thing that goes before the bread to show you that the real bread is coming. The kind of bread gives life to the world. And the crowd was chasing after him because he did this miracle for, for these people. And they were thinking, that's our king. Let's have him be our king. He gives us everything we need. He, he feeds our bellies. He keeps our bellies full. He will be so useful to us. When we ask him for something, he'll provide for it. But Jesus is, is coming and he's undoing that thinking. And he is teaching the crowd that he is not a genie lamp that contains wishes. That, that he is not the, the person that we just come to and say, okay, I have this need. I'll put in a work order. In three days, I'll have what I need. He is not meant to just be useful. Jesus is not the person, Jesus is not just the person that provides the bread. He says, I am the bread. He is the bread. Jesus didn't come to give you the answer to your problem. He is the answer to your problem. Do you see that? He, he changes it all around. He's not a vending machine. He is the person that that you go to and you're satisfied with fully. And he says in verse 35, which is the I am statement, this is the one we're going to memorize. This is the takeaway today. The thing that if someone asked you this week, what was church about? This is what you're going to tell him. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, it's me. I'm the one you've been searching for. I'm the one that can fill your heart to the brim. I'm the one that can satisfy everything you need, even when you don't receive and get all of your practical needs filled. If you have me, you have it all. I'm the bread of life. So Jesus uses three things in John chapter 6 to show us that he is our source, that he is our bread of life, that he's more than enough. And we're just going to talk about these three things briefly this morning. And the three things are he uses baskets, boats, and bread. 
He uses baskets, boats, and bread. Those are the three things that he uses in John 6. And so let's, let's look briefly again in the miracle story of Jesus, who's feeding the 5,000 on a hill with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he, he actually, if you read the story, he ends, um, he, he feeds all the people, and then he says, okay, disciples, go collect the leftovers. And the scripture says that they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. How many disciples were there? 12. So each disciple had their basket of leftovers. And Jesus is showing, I really believe in this passage, that when you join in his purpose, when you lock arms with Jesus, when you join in the ministry, when you're on God's team, that there will always be enough for you. And that he knows your need in detail. He knows if you like wheat or rye or sourdough or that gross poppy seed flavor. He knows what you like. And I don't know, this is just me thinking, but perhaps that those 12 baskets that the disciples ended up with, they were looking in there thinking, Asiago cheese, I got it. How did you know? Because God knew every perfect thing. God knew our need. In fact, God knows our need far clearer than we do. So many times. And the bread of life, the great I am, says there will be a basket for you, and it will have exactly what you need for today. And there will be a basket for tomorrow, and there will be a basket for the next day, and all the patience and all the courage and all the purpose that you need for each day is packed in the basket, even when you decide to give it all away. Because you are participating and partnering with God in the miracles that he's doing. But yet there were 12 baskets left over. The great I am, the bread of life, supplies all our needs according to the riches of glory in Jesus Christ. So these same disciples, they eat from their baskets. They enjoy their, their lunch. We're not sure what they're processing, if they're understanding. But they get in a boat. And the scripture says they're three miles away from the shore and um, they're afraid they're going to drown because a storm had come and made the, the waters very rough. And I can imagine they're probably wondering if the same concept they just learned with the basket works in a boat. And they're panicking. Will Jesus show up? He's nowhere to be found. Will he help us? Will, will he come to our aid in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this situation? Because there was enough left over on the hill with the basket and the bread, but does it, does it work the same in the boat? And maybe that's what you're thinking today. Will Jesus show up? Will he help me? Because I've been waiting a long time. And the situation just keeps getting more complicated and more complicated. And, and my heart is heavy and I'm tired. And, and I didn't expect this right now. And Jesus, will you help me? Because I know you've helped me before, but will you rescue me from this trial? Will you take away these feelings that overwhelm me? I've prayed every day for months, God, and they're still there. Will you provide the resources that I need? Will you show me what my life is supposed to be about? Because I've walked through every door I felt like you showed me, and I'm still not where I thought I would be. If it happened with the baskets, will it happen in this boat? 
And the scripture, the moment the waves are just slopping over the side of the boat, the moment that they're just not even sure if Jesus will come to their aid, he comes walking on the water and he gets in the boat. And literally in the scripture, the story's over. All it says is they landed on shore safely. It didn't say the storm died down. It didn't say Peter puked over the side. <laughs> it didn't say that, um, that they had a worship service. It, all it says is Jesus got in the boat and the story's over. The bread of life shows up. The great I am enters the scene. And actually, it doesn't even matter what happened next. They got to the shore safely. And when I read that scripture this week, it struck out to me so clearly that the part of John's, this part of John 6 is not a story about getting people out of the storm. It's not a story about how God takes us out and rescues us from difficult situations. This is a story about getting Jesus in the boat. This is so much less about getting out of the storm and so much more about getting Jesus in the, in the boat. And what I believe Jesus is showing us here is that you have your boat, you have your issues, you have your family issues and your church issues and your health issues, and, and you have storms and you have hungers and you have complications and, and life is trickier than you expected and adulthood is harder than you imagined and you have this boat and, and you're constantly trying to ask Jesus to, to just calm the storm and get you out of the storm, but Jesus' ultimate goal is not to be useful and not to just get you out of the storm, what your primary focus should be is how do you get Jesus in your boat? How do you get Jesus in your issues? How do you get Jesus in the middle of that family situation? How do you get Jesus in the middle of your financial strain? How do you get Jesus surrounding your battles? Who are you trusting? And how can you get Jesus inside your boat that then continues to be in the storm. But if you have the bread of life, you'll have everything you need. Jesus uses baskets. He uses boats. And lastly, Jesus uses bread to show us that he is all satisfying, that he is a never-ending supply of what we need. So I want to read in John 6, 53 through 56. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. So some of the people that were hearing Jesus say this misunderstood it. In fact, they thought he was literally asking them to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And they were a little bit creeped out by that, rightly so. But that wasn't what Jesus was saying. Jesus is speaking in metaphors and parables. He's trying to get us to understand differently. And Jesus says, eating is believing. Drinking is believing. He promises eternal life to those who believe in him. And he asks us to believe that his death, the breaking of his body and the spilling of his blood, pays in full the penalty for our sin. And that his perfectly righteousness, his perfect righteousness is freely given, a, given to us in exchange for our unrighteousness. And believing these things is how we eat Jesus' flesh. Believing these things is how we drink 
Jesus' blood. It is not literal. The work of God is believing. In fact, earlier in the passage in John 6, Jesus says this, 629, I want to show you. Jesus answered them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent us. That is the work of God. This eating of the flesh, this drinking of his blood, it is believing that Christ did this for us on the cross. I'm going to teach this a little bit more, but I'm going to ask right now um, for the service host to go prepare the Lord's Supper because we're going to take that together in response today. But this is why Christ instituted the Lord's Supper because he said, listen, I don't want you to forget the very core of what we believe. I want you to remember that every time you take communion, that I am the bread of life. That, that I am the one, that Christ's work on the cross was all we needed. That he is our sustenance, that he is our provider. And our goal is to hunger for more of him. That he is the bread of life, all that he is. He has everything that we need and he will provide for us in every single way. And even when he doesn't provide for us the way that we expect, he is still the bread of life. And he is still the most all-satisfying person. So we're going to have um, communion today as a church family. It, just in response to this scripture, and um, you guys can come on down and begin to distribute. If you, when you get the elements, would you please um, just hold the bread and the juice? We're going to take it together here at the end. Uh, Pastor Quinn's going to play a little bit just as we distribute this morning. But would you stay in this attitude of, of holiness right now as things are distributed and begin to think about the way that God provided for the baskets, the way that God provided in the boat, and now the way that God provides in the bread. body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And today we do this act of communion to understand that Jesus is the bread of life that he is more than enough for us, that he work, his work on the cross has satisfied our every need. And, and I, I really want to, as we take this communion this morning, to just pray, remember what Christ did, and pray that God would help us hunger for him. That God would give us this incredibly deep hunger for the bread of life and for nothing else and for no one else, but this incredible deep hunger for him. So would you take the bread and the juice Let's partake together and just pray for a more of a hunger as you do so. And so, God, we thank you so much for your work on the cross. God, we thank you that, that you were so clear with your disciples that you are not here to just simply answer our problems, but God, you are the answer to our problems. God, that you are the bread of life. And so this morning we pray 
this scripture in John 6, 35, God, that we would acknowledge you above all else, that you are the bread of life and that whoever comes to you will never go hungry. We pray, God, that we would come to you and get our sustenance from you. And as your scripture says, whoever believes in you will never be thirsty. And so, God, I pray that we could seek you with all the hunger inside of us, God, that you would create in us this hunger to show that we're healthy, that spiritually we're healthy, Father God, and that we would have this moment in our spiritual lives that just compel us to get more serious about you, Father God, to, to work more for bread that doesn't spoil than bread that does. God, thank you for the gift of this day to be with you. Thank you that you speak to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us leave here changed. Help us leave here remembering what you did for us on the cross. And God, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.